Dominic Rufran. Welcome to The Better Health Show. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. <laughs> I'm excited too. And not only do we work together, but you're also really big into health. And one thing that came up was you were like, why have I never been on your show yet? And I'm like, well, what do you have to tell women listeners? <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, I have lots to say. So I'm really excited to hear what you have to say and how it's going to apply to women. And so my podcast is all on health. Love and it. that can be anything from mental health to spiritual health to fitness health, nutrition. And so to begin, could you tell us a little bit about your background, where you live now, where you're from? I mean, you are an NFL player. So for those listening, Dom not only works now with me, but he was an NFL player for the Falcons. So I would hope there's some athletic background there. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. So my background has essentially been devoted my life to football. Since I was two years old, I literally wanted to play in the NFL, and I literally chased that dream um, until probably about five years or so ago. So I still remember watching TV with my dad, saying, like, that's going to be me one day on TV, doing push-ups at two, playing catch. Like, yeah, I was literally, like, a little little monster kid. And, like, <laughs> in preschool, I'd bring my football to school, and we had to take, like, naps. And I would essentially be the kid that, like, just wanted to go outside and play. And the teachers, like, had to bribe me, like, if you take a nap, then you can go outside and you can play football. And I'm like, okay. So like I'd close my eyes and like pretend like I'm sleeping like, like with it, holding my football. And I'm like looking at all these other kids like, can't believe you guys actually take naps. <laughs> like I'm thinking like you would take naps at you this age. You guys are strange, you know. A little side note, which is kind of be funny. I don't know if it's too far for the listeners, but like I was also that same kid that like, I don't know if you've like, you know, taken care of kids or anything like that, but kids that are like, three years old, four years old, yeah. right? When they when they use the bathroom, they're standing at the, the urinal. They like pull their pants all the way down to their ankles. <laughs> and so like I was that kid that like judged when I was like three and four years old. Like, why are you guys pulling your pants all the way down to your ankle? You were always judging yeah, yeah. the kids. Always judging That's the, the kids. Vibe I'm yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was like always the older, felt like the more mature kid. And like always, uh, you know, even at that age. Um, and I kind of carried on through like my life. And a lot of it had to do with a lot of hardships and the way that I was raised and, you know, the discipline that my mom and dad put me through and things like that too. But so ultimately, grew up in Colorado Springs. Um, pursued football wholeheartedly. Got a Division One scholarship to University of Wyoming. Played there. Uh, had a great time, had a few records there, got an opportunity to play, you know, for a small time in the NFL. And through that whole process, I devoted my life to making my body essentially being my temple to where it was a machine. And I tried to learn anything and everything that I can when it came to like athletic performance. And so even when it came to before I was actually, um, like done with sports, like I was mm -hmm. playing, I always said, okay, when I'm done playing sports, I'm going to be a personal trainer. I'm going to mm -hmm. be a, a PT or I'm going to be a strength and conditioning coach or even like have like a nutrition thing, like part of that. Like that was, that was my dream. Like yeah. that was my dream for the longest time. And I became obsessed, literally obsessed to where like every hour of every second that I had free, I was YouTubing, going down rabbit holes, learning a ton. So mm -hmm. I have a lot of background knowledge from that space of like, okay, this is what I want to do with my life. But then I also said, the more I know about this, the more I can apply it to my body, the more I can then apply to my dream of playing in the NFL. So it can just like feel like mm -hmm. a win-win at that point in time. Wow. So it really started at a young age and it was honestly a love for a sport. And then from there on out, it was just like, how can I be the best at the sport? Mm -hmm. And that required, you know, optimal health, and fitness and all of that. So could you tell us a little bit about your health background as a child? 
mm. compared to when you started optimizing your body? This is so funny because uh, I was always a really skinny kid growing up, uh, like very, very skinny. And I also grew up in a very poor environment as well too. So we didn't have like a ton of money for like high quality food, things like that. Like mm. we actually got a lot of our food from like welfare, food stamps, like those types of things. Mm. And so like the basic of things of like, pasta being a key staple <laughs> of like night because it's like you can buy a whole box of spaghetti for yeah. literally 88 cents and feed a family of like 10. Yep. So we had a, a lot of pasta, you know, some of that. I was also the kid that hated vegetables and even still to this day, like yes. I am not a fan of vegetables. Like That's as you know, true. you're you're you cook and when vegetables are there, I'm like, uh, I guess I'll eat it. Like I'm really indifferent about a lot of them. Some of them are okay, but like there's not a single vegetable on this planet where I'm like, I love this thing. I'm upset. Like, nope, doesn't matter how it's cooked. I'm like, yeah, this is good or this is that, but I'm never like, oh, I love vegetables. And so like I used to be the kid that sit at the table and my parents like, if you don't eat that, like you can't get up. I like take the salad and like throw it under the table. And, like, you know, like, that's how much I, I was, hate like, it. I like the one where there's fat on a steak and I would like throw it under the table. Oh my gosh. Veggies, I was like, well, I they weren't the worst. Of so I exact opposite that. here. Yeah, completely, completely different. <laughs> Maybe that has something to do with our genetics. our genetics and our, I was actually thinking that our, uh, our body styles <laughs> today is too. Yeah. yeah, that's probably, <laughs> that's, that's, probably that's kind of something like that. <laughs> I actually tried to do whatever I could to gain weight when I realized that it was important to gain weight. So when I was in high school, like I was super skinny until my sophomore year in high school. Hmm. Sophomore in high school, what I ended up doing was my dad was nice enough to make me an egg sandwich every morning. And then from there, I would eat lunch. And then after I'd eat lunch, I'd go lift. And I would lift as heavy as I could, try to get as big as I could. And I would drink this massive, massive weight gainer shake. <laughs> just huge. Wait, what does massive mean? So like a thousand calories of just like protein with like milk that I would like bring and just like put it in there and just yeah. chug it right after the workout. Wow. And lifted a ton and ate a ton, went home typically ate pasta or like a smothered burrito or something like that and <laughs> would drink like a protein shake before bed again. And I gained in probably like three months, I gained like 20 pounds. Like wow. I went from like 140 to 25 actually to like 165. And I got really, really, really strong too. And that's the thing that especially kids don't understand is that when they're going through that phase and they're like hormones are going crazy and they haven't lifted yet. If you start putting a ton of food in their body, and start lifting a lot, your body's gonna adapt really fast. There's gonna be a point in time though, as like you get to adult or you've already hit that peak where like your gains are only so big, like they're very incremental at that point. But when you're younger, you have the most opportunity to get the most gains. It's like the newbie gains and it's yeah. like anything. Yeah. It's just the newbie gains because you've never done something before. Right, why, why is it that it starts to slow down? So like, you know, the adolescent years, teenage years, it's really big gains, but then later on it slows down. Is it all hormonal? Like what are the big factors there? Yeah, I think uh, a couple of things is your body essentially like adapts, right? Especially when you start to do something um, like a lot of it for yeah. like a long period of time. And so it's like you can become like a really good runner, right? Really mm -hmm. fast. All you got to do is just start running. You're like, yeah. I go from like being able to walk to being able to just run three miles within a couple of weeks because I just mm -hmm. do it. But it's like now if I have to get faster at that mile, well, now it's going to take a lot more time because I may not be gifted or I have not had the genetics or whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. I've already hit my ceiling to where now I can only now incrementally get better. So the same thing as a kid. It's like as a kid, you start lifting for your first time. You're a really scrawny kid. You, you have all these hormones like great. But then you start taking advantage of the hormones. You hit a certain peak where it's like, OK, you're now have 
got all these massive gains. Now, the only way to improve is to get these incremental gains because your body's adapted to everything you've done before. So you shocked your body, you've hentally hit that shock system. Right. And now once you've shocked the body, well, now you've essentially now can only get incremental gains at that point. And that's why a lot of times when people like change up their workouts or they change something drastically, like they see big gains again. But a lot of times, sometimes it's not sustainable. And so you have to find a way of, of how can I do it in the most healthy, effective way. And that's why I always encourage like, um, for kids, you know, yeah. do it young and do it all out and you're going to see massive gains. And then it's the people at that point who can be the most consistent mm -hmm. are they going to be the ones that are going to win at that point. And that's where cool. people then forget is consistency is key. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's so accurate in everything, not just at the like, performance. And thinking about women and how our hormones change all over the course of a month, I would think that, well, I do know that there are certain times of the month where we can experience like major gains. Yep. But then there's other times in the month where it's like, I'm not, not experiencing any gain at all. And so thinking about how we change over the month, it's like our body is always in a process of like changing versus like a day-to-day -day, like men are. So you know, it's it's fascinating to see the comparisons between men and women. And I'm sure like women, as we get older, it's it's the same thing. Um, but it's cool that we have a cycle where we go through that we're going to experience more gains where men, they have the same thing every single day, basically. It's yeah. Fascinating. Well, and you start looking at athletic performance and one of the big things that come into is recovery. And recovery plays a big factor in like how well you can essentially regenerate to, you know, become the better version of yourself. And stress, you obviously have to create stress in the body to then, then repair. But if you stay in a stressful state, you're never going to then be able to repair. And so mm -hmm. when it comes to women, you know, an athletic performance yeah. during that time of the month, you're actually in a lot of us, like your hormones are in a place where you're like a lot more stress on the body, so on and so forth. Right. And so it is true when it comes mm -hmm. to women, when it comes to athletic performance, they actually will perform better, not in those time cycles than right. if they are the other, you know, three weeks out of the, the month, which is actually mm -hmm. very fascinating to me. It's like, <laughs> for like you said, for men, it's like, yeah, we have other factors of like our sleep, how we eat, you know, mm -hmm. how our mental is. And that's all things women deal with too. But yeah. women have an extra layer that they have to deal with, which essentially having to deal with their cycle and their period. And when that happens, like during those three or four days, you're creating that more stress on the body. Therefore, it's, you're not going to be as optimal as if you were for those other, you know, yeah. three weeks out of the, the totally. month. I'm very impressed with your knowledge on this. Did Listen. you, did you dive into that to you at some point? Uh, I did not. You were going to like work with people. Yeah. Yeah. I just have had a lot of experience like being around other athletes, like either yeah. women or men or all, all levels. And I think through experience, you just have yeah. these conversations naturally with people totally. and other people have done the research for you. And you're like, wow, that's actually very fascinating. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I'm yeah. so glad. I'm like, you're bringing value right now to, well, the, I, to women listeners. If you didn't think that I was bringing value, then why would you have me on the podcast? April? I did. Hey, I had to trust the process, <laughs> trust the process. So you're really big into athletic performance. What does that actually mean to you? Yeah, it's it's very fascinating because there's like this graph or this pie chart where you can look at um, the difference between athletic performance and like being healthy in life. And they're, they're on the opposite spectrum of each other. Like you can't really do both at the highest level and they, they won't correlate with each other. You can do some of both. You can eat for performance, right. work out for performance, and also eat for uh, health and perform for health. But if you want to do the extremes of one side or the other, you want to be the best in the world, mm. you can't be the healthiest person. If you want to be the healthiest person, you can't be the most athletic, perf high performance yes. person. They're, they're just different. And there was a story uh, of this bodybuilder um, 
where he essentially was trying to pursue Mr. Olympia and he wanted to be the best he could be and get that title is his essentially his card to where he could be pro. And that was his dream ever mm-hmm. since he was a kid. He chased that till he was 30. What ended up happening at 30, he had a kid and the kid mm-hmm. changed his life. It changed his life forever. And I know a lot of people are like that, men, women, you yeah. know, once they have a kid, their life essentially change, changes. Passions, yep, yeah. they're cha- like he wanted to be the best he could. And so mm-hmm. he took the test for telomeres and the telomeres before he had the kid, when he was like chasing bodybuilding, uh, he was 30, was 55. So even though he was 30 years old, his internal age was essentially saying that he was actually 55 years old. So externally 30, but he inside it was 55. Yeah. And a lot of that's due because when we're looking at performance, you're eating more food than you should, mm-hmm. right? You're exercising way harder than you should. Lifting weights yeah. is not that great for you, putting that type of load on your body all the time. Mm-hmm. The stress from the organ from eating the type of food, um, the stress from the performing all the time, like on your body mentally. Um, and then on top of that, like he was probably taking like steroids and other things like that, oh, that yeah. are hormones that weren't affect. And Consequently, too, like if you look at women when they're taking birth control, like what is that? Oh gosh, it's literally a steroid, it's just, it's right? It's just a steroid. So, so yeah. you have these hormones in your body. So, like consequently, like there is some overlap. There's some overlapping correlation to where mm-hmm. I'm sure it would be fascinating actually to see the studies, like women that take birth control versus women that didn't. If they test mm-hmm. their telomeres, like if they'd be older, would they not? Mm-hmm. I bet you they would be, which yeah. is just very fascinating to to take a peek I at. I could guarantee um, they probably would be. Yeah. So. Yeah. Ultimately, what ended up happening to finish the story is he decided to let go of bodybuilding um, and he decided to do all the things right from like a health mm-hmm. perspective. Stopped lifting as heavy, still worked out, ate better, didn't consume as much food, stopped taking steroids. He went from 55 to 38 within 18 months. Wow. So your body can adapt and switch it really fast too. Yeah. Like our bodies are amazing it's at really adapting. Promising. Yeah, which is really promising. And so yeah. like now he's saved 17 years of his life by not pursuing that. So ultimately it's comes back to the same thing. If you're going to be an Olympian, you're going to be the best in the world. There's certain things that you cannot do mm-hmm. or certain things that you have to do to get to that phase, to be the best in the world. It's an obsession. You have to mm-hmm. like, it just, there's no way around it. But then on the other side, like if you want to be the healthiest, live longevity, there's mm-hmm. certain things you have to do that you can't do that don't correlate with each other. So you have to find mm-hmm. your goals in your life. Like, Hey, it's like what we always talk about. Like, Hey, where yeah. do you want to go? And then let's create the roadmap to get there. Exactly. And then, you know, so like for me right now, I've pursued my whole life of pursuing the NFL. And like, I didn't really realize the difference at the time, but like now that I'm more knowledgeable, like I now pursuing CrossFit at a very high level. Mm-hmm. And I realized that like what I'm doing to my body today, the food I eat, how I perform, how I exercise is not made for longevity at all. Like it's just <laughs> not, they don't. But four, three years ago, I was doing everything for longevity. Like I was, I was fasting, I was on keto, I was like eating less, I was working out a specific type of way. Like I was like, I'm going to do whatever I can to optimize my brain. And so I was doing this, I was like, I'm going to build a business and like, that's all I cared about. But then I missed something internally and I was like, well, I really want to still have this competitive drive physically. So then I started pursuing CrossFit and now CrossFit kind of like turned the switch where I'm still now, um, pursuing that at a high level, even though I know it's bad for my body. Um, I do know that it won't last forever. And if I just do this for five years, then I can essentially switch my telomeres kind of like the bodybuilder did. That's cool. Have you ever done the telomere test? No, I haven't. I don't even know how you would. I'm sure that there's, you just go to some type of doctor or something and figure it out. But I know there's like different biohacking tests where it's actually more accessible than you think. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm actually blanking on all the different options, but it's more accessible than one would think. It's not like costly. It's pretty, pretty easy to go through. So amazing. I'll have to look into that for you. Um, so when it comes to athletic performance, what would you categorize all the different areas someone should focus on 
Um, and then maybe like swing over to the other side then as well when it comes to focusing more on just longevity and health, how would you categorize that? So like what should someone pay attention to? Yeah, so the the factors that are going to be involved is mainly because I think sleep is going to be important for both sides of things. Like oh, I think yeah. you should optimize your sleep regardless if your athletic performance or not. Um, but they say that for athletic performance for sleep, and this is a simple one, that you should almost get like nine to 10 hours of sleep. So you mm. see like Olympians are literally sleeping 10, <laughs> 11, 12 hours a day yeah. taking naps. And I think if it's a human, like you don't need that much. Right. Like I think you probably only need like eight hours and you're good. Mm-hmm. So that's the slight difference there is like you could sleep more if you're optimizing it for yeah. athletic performance versus not. And also since you're working out more, you probably could use the sleep because mm-hmm. you need to recover better. Totally. Um, so sleep is the easy one. So then when we're looking at it from a nutrition standpoint and a workout standpoint, I think that's where like the two biggest differences come into peace. Mm. So um, the one I like to talk about the most is the nutrition piece about it. Yeah. Uh, and it, to <laughs> me, it's, it's, it's fascinating because uh, I was somebody like three years ago that like I wouldn't eat breakfast. Then I would eat, you know, the the eight hour window when I'd fast, yep. and I'd eat lower carbs, higher fat. And I'm not saying that this is better for anybody by right. any means. Uh, everybody's going to be different. Yep. But for me, I felt like it was the best. Doing research, looking at biohackers, so on and so forth, mm-hmm. and I would eat less calories. So mm-hmm. uh, I weighed 172 pounds on a normal day. So mm-hmm. it was it was fine. I was right. like, you know, I don't really care about my weight. Um, I'd eat less food. And how I would, tall are you? Six, six foot. Six foot. So six foot, 172, okay. um, which, is, which is very fascinating. I think it's like six pounds for every inch of a person. So like huh. you could always correlate. So if I was like, oh, if I was 5'8", um, 24 pounds less than what I am now is what I'd weigh if I was 5'8". Wow. And I think it might be actually a little bit less if you're a woman. I think it might be five pounds right. for every inch. Um, right. So uh, six Six pounds for men, five pounds for women. So like you could always correlate to like, oh, okay. like that's what you weigh. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you were like, hey, you're six foot, this is how much you'd weigh. You're like, oh, wow, I'd weigh as much as Dom if I was the, the high. <laughs> Moving <laughs> uh, to the next uh, subject. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, so that was, a, that was a big factor was essentially how I ate, you know, more fruits, vegetables, mm-hmm. um, more clean foods, whole foods. Like yeah. it's, it's the basic simple stuff, right? Totally. This is the stuff that we all know we should be eating. That yep. is how you should eat. Yep. Um, and as long as you're eating a whole base diet, regardless of where it is, you know, if you can't read what it is on the back of the, the label and you're like, yeah. I have no idea what this is, you, food you, probably, you probably shouldn't be eating it if you don't yes, know. exactly. And, and some of the biggest killers for optimal for health is like the oils that people don't oh, realize. Like they're so, so bad, bad, right? It's like chemicals. Like the canola, canola oil, oh, yeah. like palm oil, like peanut oil, like yep. all these different oils, right? And I went to a big deep dive into how bad these were. So <laughs> the two big like deteriorates for why people were not healthy were oils and sugar yeah. is what I came to the conclusion inflammation with. Inflammation right yep. there. Super, super big inflammation. And so <laughs> that was that was the big difference there mm-hmm. because now as an athlete, I've talked to lots of sports performance nutritionists. I've talked to lots of high level, best in the world athletes, CrossFitters, talked to, you know, listen to, to diets with these high level people. And they all say the same thing. And when I was going through college, um, it's actually funny because let me take a whole take take a step. <laughs> when I was in middle sc- middle school and high school, what I would do before every game is I would go to Taco Bell, and I'd get a couple burritos, <laughs> play a game, and I'd be good to go. Yeah. College, I was like, you know, there's a guy named Ocho Cinco, Chad Ocho Cinco. Yeah, where, I, I know. Who yeah, and he would be like on this McDonald's diet and talk about how like McDonald, <laughs> like he was he was so good too at football. Yeah. Like probably legendary, one of the best receivers of all time. McDonald's and is he, like best endorsement yeah, ever. It, yeah, literally. <laughs> And like he would eat that and he'd be just fine. He's like, I'm good. I'm right. just like, it's, so it's like wow. at the end of the day, 
Like, yeah, you could eat bad and it's perfectly yeah. fine, right? For athletes, okay? So I'm going to dive in a little deeper than that. But that's how I followed. I was like, well, huh. if he did it, I could do it. So <laughs> I ate like that, assuming that it was going to be best for me. Uh-huh. Um, I was like, I just need calories. That's all I need, calories, calories. Because yeah. calories is energy, so on and so forth. Yep. So that essentially you know, carried over. And as I started learning from like other sports nutritionists, people that optimize for sports performance, they always talked about things like crackers and peanut butter and jelly and milk with, um, you know, chocolate milk in it. And it's like, okay, so the two things that I'm coming across constantly is carbs and sugar and essentially like a lot of the protein as well. So at the end of the day, it wasn't necessarily the quality of the foods. Mm -hmm. It was more so along the lines of how much of the food calories was always most important is can you get enough calories in to mitigate how much you're losing because you're right. burning so much you right can't build muscle if you're not getting enough calories in you yeah. have to almost have more calories and then the sleep on top of that is yeah. just like well and it's not even the muscle standpoint it's more so the energy the energy uh, is the most important piece right because as an athlete you can be a tennis player you don't really need too much muscle yeah. or you could be a swimmer you know like obviously these things are going to help but when I'm on the field or if I'm in the pool or whatever I'm doing, how long can I last before I just essentially uh, crash or I feel like I have no energy? And it was always around like, am I eating enough food? Am I eating enough calories? Mm. And the problem is, is as an athlete, you can never get in enough. Right. You always are always going to be at a deficit if you're either in practice, you know, all those people that are performing all the time, you're typically going to be at deficits. Yeah. And the problem with the eating that many calories is it's really hard to eat that much clean. So if I'm eating salads every day and brown rice and chicken with, you know, the, Mm -hmm. the, the, the one with no skin on it Uh and all that stuff, like the boiled chicken is is the the (laughs) grossest thing in the world to me. Um, so dry, even people that cook it right still, that's for just me personally. Um, like you can only do so much of that before you're like, I'm full. I can't eat anymore right. and I'm not even close to my calories. So you have to find ways mm. to supplement it in. Like for me, I need to eat close to 5,000 calories a day if I'm going to hit my like, goals for performance. Yeah. And so the only way I can do that is by eating things I like and eating things that are more calorie dense and eating things that are higher in calories, which means sometimes eating things with more sugar. Right. And the other thing is too, is like when you're a normal human being, you don't need a ton of sugar. Um, because you're not burning the glucose like you are when you're an athlete and you need the glucose to recover. Uh, So like sometimes like when I'm done working out, I I literally will drink a thousand calories of Gatorade. So it comes out to be like 250 grams of sugar and a thousand calories of Gatorade because I need that extra calories or I'll lose weight or I'll have no energy the next day and I won't recover well. But when I do that, I feel amazing the next day. But from a health perspective, yeah. not great for my organs. No, no way is, totally is me drinking 250 ca- calories of or <laughs> grams of sugar grams. and a thousand calories of Gatorade good for any person at any point no. in time. It's not, but like I do it because I know it's going to make me better from a performance yeah. standpoint. Because you're looking at the fact that you want to be the best when it comes to fitness and you know whatever performance you're doing versus the health aspect, and it's it's crazy to me because I had no idea how you were really into like the whole foods, clean diet a couple of years ago. And here we are. And it's like, when <laughs> it's funny because the whole team makes money because they're like, oh, you got your Skittles and your chips. And, <laughs> it's so um, and it's like, but does anyone know the fact that you dove into the healthy aspect as well? You know that bad oils are horrible yep. and you know that sugar is bad. 
and you're choosing it. Yeah. It's, it's just wild. Yeah. And it's funny because no one knows that. Yeah. It just made fun of you, but it's like, <laughs> you've done your research. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the, the, the thing is, is like nobody really knows unless they sit down and have that conversation. Like yeah. they just see it and they just like then think it's funny. They're like, yeah. how do you eat all that and still like do what you do or look the way you do? And like, why do you love this? So I'm like, well, I do it for a reason. Yeah. It's, I mean, I also do love sugar. Like, yes. I think, I think yes. the other thing too is like, <laughs> whatever lifestyle you choose, like if you're an athlete and you're eating carbs and sugar, you're going to crave that more yeah. Then it doesn't matter if you're an athlete or not. Right. Like if you're eating carbs and sugar, you you're going to crave that. Right? You get addicted to it. Totally. So then when you stay away from it as a normal person, you're like, Oh, like I've had a soda in 20 years. Like I don't even want a soda. That yeah. sounds gross. So that's like how it is. And so the more you eat it, the more addicted you get to it. Interesting. Yeah. So 5,000 calories. How did you calculate that? Is it the typical looked at different strength trainers and what they do to calculate their calories is it like what you could find online or did you specifically calculate that with your own unique way of doing it yeah it's a great question so it was a combination of both mm -hmm. so i started with the calculator so you type into google like google what is my like depending on also my goal uh -huh. so if my goal is like hey i want to gain weight well then it's different if i want to lose weight because if you're going to athletic performance depending on the season time, you may want to gain or lose weight or you may just want to maintain. So I typed in calculate a uh, calorie calculator online mm -hmm. and like you can put in like your age, your height, your gender, um, your goals, how hard do you work out? How much right. do you work out? And like you can put all these factors and they can tell you, okay, you need to lose this much weight or you need to eat this much to lose this much weight. Mm -hmm. So it was always around the whole equation of 3,500 calories equals a pound. Mm -hmm. yeah. So if I, if my basic uh, caloric intake is 2000 calories, mm -hmm. right? And that's what I just need to do to maintain weight. Well, I need to make sure that I stay at 2000 calories. If I eat 2,500 calories and I do that every single day, that's 500 mm -hmm. extra calories, right? Then above the 200, right. the 2000, excuse me. So that's 2,500, 500 extra more. If I do that for seven days out of the week, that's that 500 times seven, that's 3,500. Mm -hmm. That means if I eat 500 extra calories a day above that 2000, I'll gain one pound a week. Right. So it's right. always, it's always that calculation of like how many extra calories do I need to gain weight or how yeah. much calories less do I need? It's the same thing and vice versa. Yeah. So if it's like, if I, my basic of just living, living yeah. in life is 2000 calories. Well, I need to lose or eat 1500 calories mm -hmm. or burn enough to get to that 1500 mark to then lose a pound a week. Right. And so for me, it was like, it started off at being 172. My goal that I really wanted to get to was 200. So that was mm -hmm. essentially 28 pounds. So wow. in six months I did that. Yeah. And so now right now I'm at like 195, 196. And like I'm really happy with the weight that I'm at because yeah. I feel like that's the best for me to like not over consume food and like right. for me to to be happy with where I'm at. Totally. But that's where I started. And I started off like, okay, the calculator said that I needed to consume 4,500. Well, I do 4,500 for every single, and I weigh myself every morning. Like, mm -hmm. I think it's important. Like, I know it's hard as an athlete sometimes, especially if you're a woman, like, to oh, be yeah. completely honest, because you have, like, these sometimes insecurities or, like, self-image totally. issues of, like, wanting to not look at the scale every day. And it could, yeah. like, almost be deteriorating if, like, yeah. the scale is more than what you want it and to your be. your mindset's everything. And your mindset that is everything, right? That totally destroy yeah. your whole performance. Yep, exactly. And so yeah. if you can look at it as a way of, like, okay, this is important for me for performing. And it's like, hey, this this number on the scale has nothing to do with who I am as a person. Mm -hmm. It has everything to do with, okay, this is how I need to alter my eating or alter my uh, how much I'm working out because it's going to affect my performance. I think that's important. Yeah. Um, but I know that's hard. Right? Totally. I know that's hard. I empathize with that. Yeah. For me, I feel the same way when I like step on the scale and I lose a bunch of weight. Like it like affects me. I'm like, oh, like this doesn't yeah. feel good. So if I'm like yeah. 195 and the next morning I'm 192, <laughs> it gives me a lot of data. It's like, man, you didn't eat enough. You worked yeah. out too much or you didn't recover well. And I'm like, okay, 
So what do I need to do different? Although like the second I see a number, like I instantly get that pit in my stomach, like yeah. uh, you didn't do all the right things. That's yep. what it really tells yep. me. So I get it. It's like somebody steps on the scale, they gained weight. They're like, okay, maybe you just didn't do the right things. Yep. Or maybe there is, I think I could say too, like maybe you are doing the right things, but maybe right. now you need to go get blood tested or you need to figure out there's an underlying health condition totally. because, hormones. or maybe it's your hormones, your period or something sure. is affecting that overall thing. So that's why I think it is important that you weigh yourself every morning yeah. when you wake up because you can kind of keep data from your standpoint. Um, and so that's what I did. I weighed myself every morning. I saw that I was making incremental gains. Um, and when I realized I was plateauing and I wasn't making enough, I was like, okay, I got to uptake now my mm -hmm. calories to get to where I want to. And then once my body got used to that, um, I actually could decrease the calories. My body was actually used to that standpoint of like my, my resting cal caloric number probably actually adjusted and went down after I was mm -hmm. at 190, 198 for a while. Interesting. Yeah. So fascinating. So I know that you focus a lot on recovery things mm -hmm. that you can do. What what do you exactly do? Lay it all out. Like, what are some great recovery techniques? Yeah, strategies. Yeah, I think the the first and foremost, I think we talk about sleep. Yep. Sleep essentially would be illegal if it well, everybody didn't do it. <laughs> I mean, legit, because steroids are legal and it's literally, literally for eight hours, uh -huh. you're creating HGH. And so I think it would be banned if everybody didn't Dang. do it because yeah. um, that's how powerful it is. But we, we underutilize it, I think, as humans. It's because it's like we, we put it on a pedestal of like, oh, work hard, no sleep, like no sleep over here, I'll sleep when I'm dead, like grind. all these different factors yeah. of grind, right? Yeah. Um, which there is some beliefs to that, but like yeah. if you sleep eight hours in a day, you still have 16 hours to do whatever you want. Like if you yeah. grind for 16 and sleep for eight, like you're time sleeping efficiency. a lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maximize your time. Way too many times we're just all wasting our time doing things that aren't yeah. going to benefit us to where we want to go, exactly. right? And then the worst part is, is when we start complaining, right? Yes. So as long <laughs> as you don't complain and you enjoy your life and you're doing what you're doing, like yeah. at the end of the day, it is what it is. Right. Um, but so sleep being most important and optimizing your sleep, not mm -hmm. just getting the amount of sleep, like eight hours, but going to bed at the same time, waking yeah. up at the same time, dark room, making sure it's cold yep. for some people um not eating too close to bed yep. um for me it's the opposite if i hmm. if i don't if i eat if i don't eat on an empty stomach then i'm like hungry and then i wake up with lighter and also like i don't uh, sleep as well so for me like me. i need to have like more of a fuller stomach i'm the, I'm the um, opposite yeah like i i try to stop at a certain time i feel like since i've been involved with caleb's life now yeah i don't go to bed at the same time as like i would like to because of travel yep. i'm eating later which is not what I would like either. So I'm trying to rework my schedule and make it as adaptable as possible and not stress over it either. Cause yep. that's a big thing is like, if I stress over it, then obviously my body is going to show back negative results. Yep. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, for, for, for me eating, and that's why it comes back to like the genetics and yeah. everybody has to know their body. And I think that's the cool part about athletes mm -hmm. is that they've been an athlete for so long. They've been in tune with their body because yeah. since they were young, they were like paying attention. And then like, mm -hmm. as you get older and the more you like pursue it professionally, yeah. the more you have to pay attention to your body. How am mm -hmm. I feeling? What's going on? It's like, I know now, like I have to eat before. And, but I'd say 95% of people probably in this world, um, should not eat too close to bedtime. Like yeah. I think studies show that you probably shouldn't. It's um, yeah. Specific it type help. of people and like yeah. the blood sugar and everything. Yeah. I actually know of two people, two friends and they're twins. And one of them, she thrives best when she, you know, stops eating at a certain point mm. and just fasts through whole night. Mm. Her sister, who's a twin, has to take like a spoonful of peanut butter, almond butter with a little bit of honey yeah. to like stabilize that blood sugar in the middle of the night. Yeah. Otherwise, she wakes up and she's like super hungry. Fascinating. Yeah. 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 I, I think I heard um, um, Dave Asprey, who's like oh, the yeah. big biohacker, talk about that one yeah. time. It's like you're 
your levels of like your liver or something are super yes. low so you have to take like some sugar but like the best sugar to do would be honey yeah um just like the raw honey to take it mm -hmm. but then he also said like if you take raw honey and it's heated up then it's no longer good no. for you or something enzymes like that. are gone yeah it's like it's like which is crazy oh, to think it's like the small things right <laughs> yeah. that you don't ever think about yeah yeah so um so optimizing sleep that's going to be first and uh, most important and i think the second thing is listening to your body oh, it's yeah. like am i too tired today like do i feel really mm. exhausted and is it to the point of like where like i just am mentally exhausted where i'm like you know what you know i just don't feel like it or is it like right. my body's like really like if i work out today i might hurt myself and sometimes yeah. taking a rest day is better for you for yeah. the rest of the week and yeah. i think that sometimes we neglect so resting hard. right i there's days where i'm like okay i didn't sleep the best or i'm tired or i definitely am super sore from the day before and i'm like but if i don't work out I'm being lazy and I'm not going to see the gains, but it's like, you just have to trust the process. Yeah. 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 Well, and that's, that's what it comes back to again is also athletic performance versus health. And I say mm -hmm. that in the essence of like more mental toughness and yeah. mental health, because you hear people um, like the Navy SEALs and like those type right. of people, like, uh, like Jocko Willis and stuff talking about yeah. like, when you don't feel like it, just like get up and do it. Or like Joe Rogan, like when you do like, just get up yeah. and do it like every time, which yeah. creates that crazy mental toughness for you. Right. For sure. So, that's fine. Like as right. a as a as a normal human being, I think that's important because you want to keep that consistency of discipline. Yeah. But for an athlete, I think that could be dangerous because yeah. if you do and you go back and like let's say you went off for five hours of sleep, that's mm -hmm. when you can now get hurt. And if yeah. you get hurt, you're now out for the season and now that could be your livelihood or your dreams or whatever it right. is. So I think there's gotta be a fine line between like what it is you're going for again. Yeah. And it's like if that's I'm that goal. that normal person that's like I wanna be the best I can be in my business or my life or my family, like so on and forth. Grind through it. Like yeah. get that mental toughness. Like yeah. do it. The athlete, it's if you got four or five hours of sleep and you didn't like, you definitely should reconsider if your like body's mm. not feeling well. Maybe just like go get on a bike or something like that. Right. Right. Um, other things is is a sauna. Sauna's sauna's huge. Yeah. I'm a big, big sauna believer. Love uh it creates lots of HGH, you know, better Toxin. good toxins. Yeah, um, good for um the cardiovascular system. Yeah. Um the thing that always comes up that it's very interesting is ice. Uh, like cold oh, therapy. Cold therapy. Um, yep, cryotherapy. I'm not necessarily saying I'm a fan of that because yeah. I listen to other people who say that uh, actually ice can actually uh, inhibit, like it's not actually good for you from an mm. athletic performance standpoint. So here's actually the, of all the data that I learned from ice, this is what it is, okay? Okay. So if you work out and you're lifting and you're in off season, stay away from ice completely, okay? Like mm -hmm. ice is not good for you. Like it's just like an ibuprofen. It's not good for you. Like you're essentially cutting off the inflammation process of like what you need to heal during, during off season. Yep, yep, yep. Because okay. you're essentially cutting off that, that system right. where the body needs to like heal on its own because uh, you're cutting off the inflammation where your body naturally goes to that process. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're competing and you have a game, let's yeah. just say you have it at 9 a.m., but then you need to have another game at 5 p.m., uh, 9 a.m. and then 5 p.m., so you're going to play twice in one day, right? You want to stop that inflammation to, from occurring mm. so you can still be at a peak performance for the next session. So depending on when you're performing, what's going on, yep. time of season, may or may not use ice. And so off-season, stay away from it altogether. Let your body use those full gains, get the full recovery, so on and so forth. But if you're in the middle of a season and you're trying to recover for the next game, trying to recover for the next practice, you can perform at the high skill level. Yeah. Well, then ice tubs and things like that are like really good, which I think is very fascinating too. Like yep. people are doing research about that like all the times. Um, and it's actually very fascinating. There's these things called palm cooling where they're showing tests now. Like if you put your hands in cold, then you actually perform better, like more reps longer. And it's not your whole body. 
right? right? But your palms, the bottom of your feet, are the two places that can control your mm. internal uh, regulation, yeah. right? And so people put it like on the back of their neck or on their chest or their forehead, but it's actually doing the opposite for them. Their body like heats up faster and things like that um, to like to try to re-regulate it. But the right. part, the part, the parts that are the most effective is your palms and your hands. So there, people are now have created like machines where you can put your hands in like these things just to specifically warm up your 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 palm or cool down. Your yeah, palms. cool down yeah. your palms, which is very fascinating because like there's been studies to show people can do way more reps by doing that like before they exercise and things like that. So there's some cool studies that are mm-hmm. that are out there now by actually some like scientists that have that have done it. And so. Um, I, I don't go as in depth of like the research that I used to at some point, but still yeah. to this day, like because I'm trying to perform at the highest level in CrossFit, mm-hmm. I still try to learn as much as I possibly can. Totally. Um, so then food, I think like mm-hmm. the timing of food, the amount of food, like that's obviously important. They have other stuff like Normatec boots. Um, like, are you familiar with what that is? No. So Normatec boots is like you put essentially slide your legs into these um, these balloon type of style things. And then it like the air essentially expands onto it uh-huh. and then um, like pressurizes your legs and essentially supposed to clear the lactic acid from it as well. Nice. And you're supposed to elevate your legs when you do it. And you they have like full body suits that you can do too for like upper body, lower body. I literally feel like it's like one of the blood pressure. Yeah, that's exactly what and it is. I hate yep, those. Yep, it's, it's <laughs> I can day. literally it's feel blood. my veins closing yep. and opening yep. and I like get terrified. Yep, that's exactly what it is. And <laughs> you do it for long periods of time. We had that in college too. You know, obviously, I think I said a massage is important, foam rolling. Like, yeah. there's lots of things out there. I think the hardest part is when you're trying to live a normal life right. and you're also trying to live for high performance because you don't have the time to do a lot of it. Yeah. That's why, like, professional athletes are professional athletes for a reason because it's literally it's becomes an life. eight, 10 hour a day job outside yeah. of sleeping that people don't realize, like, yeah. how much energy and time it takes. Chiropractor, like, People may or may not believe in that. Like yeah. it just it just depends on what yeah. you believe. Like so, and then you, you get hurt. You got to like do this yeah. some of your PT and stuff, and like the mental yeah. aspect of it alone, like meditation, like psych psych talking to psychologists. Like there's yeah. so much that you can do from an athletic performance to like help yourself recover. Yeah. To making sure that you're in the right place for the next day. Totally, it's like taking over your health in a way where it's like you're focusing on on it all the time is a full time job. And there's so many times where I'm like, man. Sometimes I like I wish I was a professional athlete because I love this stuff. I want to focus on it so all true. day long. And there's so many things and not enough time sometimes. Yep. And the struggle, I tell you, but. Well, that's this the funny thing in the CrossFit space because you have like the small elite group of people that are just elite level yeah. and they do it full time. They don't make full-time. a ton of money. Some of them do from sponsorships. Yeah, but but then like, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. But then there's like a group of people that are good, but yeah. they don't get paid for it. And they always say like, mm-hmm. Uh, how nice would it be to be able to do this full time? Like you just eat, work out, sleep <laughs> yep. all day, every day. And yep. like, sleep like, all the time. I ask myself this all the time now to this yeah. day. Like if I got an opportunity to go back and play in the NFL, would I say yes mm. or would I say no? I would say no to this day. And then I ask myself if I could like be full-time games, CrossFit athlete, get paid for it, like would I do it? And the answer is no. And it's because mm. of like what we're doing here, like better exactly. wealth and all this stuff, right? At some point in time, your athletic career has got to stop. Yeah. And so for me, it's yeah. like, well, I'm building what I already would do when I'm done playing, which is essentially how I got to this place yeah. originally. So as nice as that sounds to yeah. be able to do that full time and not do anything else, like I think I would still be missing a piece of my life of like, totally. and it's the same thing here. Like me doing just this was not fulfilling enough for, my, for me personally yeah. to feel successful. Um, because here's the thing, success is for yourself. Right. And I think that's why it's like, I feel like I want some of that success from a standpoint of like athletic performance, but significance is for other people Mm. and significance. I feel like I get that here at better wealth. So it's like, I get a combination of both. Yeah. 
And what's a real blessing is the fact that like, as we build better wealth, you know, you have the freedom to be able to structure your day Yeah. where if you were at a nine to five, like yep. there's no way that you could do what you're doing when it comes to your strength, it's like true. training and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, it's really cool to be able to have the best of both worlds. Yep. And you know, when I say that where I'm like, you know, I wish I could just do this all day long. Like some days probably I'd be like, <laughs> yes, I would. Overall, probably not though, yeah. because of the fact that I'm like, unless I'm doing something in that space where I'm like giving back to people and serving, like there'd still be that unfulfillment because yeah. of like God designed us to be, you know, to serve and give back. So, yeah. well, that's the cool part about professional athletes though, is like they have a platform. True. And so when oh, you have yeah. a platform, you can essentially do what you want because people listen. That's so so when I was in college and I was playing, like I got able to, to go travel around and speak about my faith yeah. and my testimony and share that with people and go back and do like sports camps for kids. And like people right. just listen because of the platform you're on. So that's the cool thing is like, it doesn't really matter what you're doing. Yeah. I think God can put you in a position to be that blessing, yeah. to give significance. But today in this moment in my life, CrossFit is not a significance thing. Yeah. It's more of a success thing that helps bring me fulfillment to to help me mm-hmm. pursue significance in other areas like this. Really? So I'm just a happier human being. Yeah. So I, I do agree. But then on the other thing mm-hmm. is a lot of people, they want that lifestyle of like pursuing a professional mm-hmm. athlete. And then they realize how hard it actually mm-hmm. is because yeah. it is, it's hard like waking yeah. up every day and grinding and like putting, and if you don't mm-hmm. wake up and do it, like who else <laughs> is going to? And if you You're don't, you replace very yeah, easily. Exactly. hundred percent. Yeah. Man, I, I totally forgot about the fact that it's like you have that platform and there's so many awesome athletes where they're able to like, because they have that platform and influence, they can then give back and make a real impact because of what they've built. So good points. Before we wrap up to the main takeaways, talk to us a little bit about what your dream is in regards to like soccer fields, I think it was, and what what you hope to do in the future in regards to that. Yeah, thanks for asking because um, yeah. I love talking about it. So back in 2012, 2013, uh, I went to Haiti um, back-to-back years, and we went down there for essentially a mission trip. But the real main goal we we went down there is to teach kids how to play American football. They love soccer. They love all that, but they they don't know American football. And one of the guys on our team, he was actually Haitian, and he ended up dying in a car crash. And so, like, we went down there every year to, like, honor his name, and he grew up in Haiti. So we went down there, taught the kids how to play American football, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Um, but we went to this uh, essentially village slash orphanage one day, mm-hmm. and we spent literally six hours just like scraping rocks off this field so the kids could play mm-hmm. on it. Um, and when we were done, the kids just ran on the field and just started playing soccer, and yeah. they loved it. You could see the joy; they're yeah. happy. Like it was just amazing. And I was like, man, those six hours were worth it. Totally. And you wondered like kind of why they weren't playing beforehand, mm-hmm. and you realized that you know they weren't blessed to have shoes. Mm-hmm. And so if they play on the field like that, like they'll end up cutting their feet, yeah. scraping and stuff like that. And so they just, they just weren't. Right. And so when we were able to do that, um, it was a real feeling of significance for me to like, yeah, wow, like totally. this would be really cool to be able to do this in third world countries yeah. all the time for people, mm-hmm. for kids. And so I have a, just this big goal that I feel like God has instilled in me of like using my athletic background mm-hmm. and also my faith of saying, hey, building sports fields for kids in third world countries is essentially that's something that's been in my heart now for the last few years. Mm-hmm. So today, like that's what I try to do is I try to do everything that pushes towards that from a yeah. resource standpoint, energy standpoint, people standpoint. Um, how can I essentially create a platform to be able to do that? Mm-hmm. Um, and something like maybe even turf fields would be cool because then you know, yeah. it doesn't have to be like maintenance and things like that right. would be able to. So something like that I think would be really awesome. Um, and along the way, hopefully I can love as many people as possible and, yeah. and have significance doing other things and so I can get to that platform. 
So cool. I just love that so much. And missions is like a huge part of my heart. Love it. And like working with kids and allowing them to be able to flourish in regards to their gifts and abilities and being able to be mentored in that is so important. So there's some goals that I have there as well to love just it. give back and serve. And so, um, Dom, a few takeaways as we begin to wrap up before we enter rapid fire questions. Anything you want to give back to listeners takeaway wise? No, I just think the the biggest thing is for all things is you just have to know where you're going and where you want to go and then create the roadmap to get there. And mm -hmm. if it's athletic performance, fantastic. Like create a roadmap, find the people who have done it before and get mentored by them, research them. The internet's amazing for that. Mm -hmm. or, or if it's like, hey, I want to live longevity, then find the people that have done that too and that are pursuing yeah. that. Because somebody out there is essentially doing what you want to do and they have the answers. You just got to go ahead and find. Uh, a lot of people just aren't willing to take that, yeah. that leap to put themselves out there. But that would that'd be the biggest things. Cool. I love that. So now rapid fire questions. The first one I have for you is what books are you reading right now? So the <laughs> the first book is Atomic Habits. Yeah. Um, it's a book that we're reading right now as a company. Um, so that's that's one. And there's another book. Uh, it's, it's called um, your, your Family Banking, essentially. And so like I'm trying to read as many books as possible around life insurance since that's essentially <laughs> what I do every day. So that's another yeah. book at the current moment. Cool. Love that. What's your favorite food? Favorite food is probably like French fries. I love French fries. <laughs> French fries are good. Soggy or crispy? Crispy with uh, no sauces, soggier with like ranch and other oh, things. Yeah. So it's it's kind of it's both. Yeah, it's both. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm a soggy person, yeah. but you know, crispy deserves its time every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> um, favorite travel destination or a dream destination you have? Um, I'm not a huge traveler uh, in general, um, but I think... Somewhere in Africa would probably be that place mm -hmm. just because I, we have a, uh, we sponsor a kid in Uganda. I think going there would be hey, really cool to visit him. Was that, did you connect through Dan on that? No, we've, I've been doing this now for probably like almost 10 years. I have a, I have a girl there uh, that I sponsor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's been like 10 years now since we've been sponsoring him. Wow. So we got to see him when he was like little and now he's like, I think he's like 15 now or something. So that's amazing. Yeah, it's cool. That, that just melts my heart. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is your definition of intentional living? Yeah, it's a great question. So I think intentional living is different for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, I think for me, intentional living is pursuing a life of significance. Yeah. And so like I was mentioning before, like success is for myself and significance is for other people. And so like I really want to live an intentional life of waking up every day, of living a life of significance, pursuing it for other people, loving people every day, mm -hmm. and living a life for Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I think if I can do that every single day, then I am living intentionally. And so for me, like my my li living intentionally definition was different even a year ago. Yeah. I think as I'm getting more mature and realizing like how I really want to impact people and how I want to live my life for God, mm -hmm. uh, my intentional living is different. And essentially for everybody, I think as a whole of like what that looks like, it's like doing what you want, when you want, making the decisions effectively to pursue, oh, right. pursue your life for your happiness at the end exactly. of the day. Exactly. It's always thinking about how is this decision going to impact whatever goals I have or what the future holds that I would like to, you know, accomplish, yep. you know, God willing. So yep. really cool. Love uh, that. So last thing is how can listeners connect with you? Oh, that's a great question. I haven't been uh, like asked that in a while. <laughs> can, so uh, schedule yeah. with the link and yeah. asset specialist. <laughs> so, uh, you know, what we do here at Better Wealth is mm -hmm. essentially the president of the and asset company. And so I focus around, um, having conversations with people around life insurance. So it doesn't sound very fun or very <laughs> sexy, which, you know. The only you, way to connect with them is yeah. if you want to talk about life insurance. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Nope. <laughs> um, 
so it's just i just bring it up because like right. that is like the funny the funny thing of what you're saying right yeah. it's like yeah. this is what it is <laughs> so if somebody really wants to connect with me the best way probably is through linkedin um mm. add me on linkedin and that's send right. me a direct message um because that's the only platform that i really have that i check on right and so if you're like hey like i love to connect i love to collab um i'm always open to just having that conversation on linkedin cool and that's under dominic rufran yep so d-o-m-i-n-i-c last name rufran r-u-f-r-a-n awesome perfect Dom, thank you so much for being on. Yeah, thanks. I had a blast. It was really fun. Thank you.